Morning, everyone. It is Thursday, April the 7th. We'll get straight into it. Chris, what happened overnight? Thanks, Ben. The Dow was down 145 points. It was a volatile session. Index never traded in positive territory. The NASDAQ was the big underperformer, down more than 2%. Value outperformed growth by more than 2%. The reason for the declines overnight was the Fed meeting minutes. So very importantly, the Fed announced that they plan to, it's not finalized yet, but they plan to aggressively reduce their $9 trillion balance sheet by the tune of 95 billion dollars per month. Now, consensus was for 80 billion, although there were some more hawkish expectations of 100 billion per month, but it was towards that more hawkish end. And it's likely to start in May. The minutes also showed that the members were in support somewhat of a 50 basis point hike if inflation remains high. So the Fed very firmly trying to cram that inflation genie back into the bottle. Marcus, you wanted to add something about what the Fed's doing? Yeah, our first strategy point today looks at the Fed and you'll see some comments from the Fed there a bit of a sort of factual informational write-up. But the main thing for the Fed is to try and manage this backing of an $8 trillion balance sheet uh, by Deutsche Bank reckon it's what, $1.6 trillion in the next year or so? By 2023. And that was interestingly the equivalent of about three and a half, 25 basis point hikes. Right. So Deutsche Bank making it clear that backing off the balance sheet is like raising interest rates yeah, that's as far as the market's right. concerned. So they've got a one back off inflation to reduce their balance sheet and do it without a recession. And the best indicator of a recession, or the popular one, is to look at the yield curve and has it inverted. And the interesting thing about last week on the yield curve and overnight with the Fed is that the two-year bond yield has dropped under the 10-year bond yield, so the bond yield's uninverted, and it did so more last night, which suggests the bond market thinks that we they may get away without a recession or with less chance of recession. So in other words, the bond market it actually took last night's Fed minutes quite positively, suggesting they might get away with this uh, inflation battle and balance sheet battle uh, without a recession. So reasonably positive bond market reaction to last night's Fed meeting. Nice segue there, Marcus. Thank you. The bond market, you're right, did like it. Deutsche Bank was less convinced. They became the first big Wall Street bank to make a recession call. They believe that in the next two years, both the US and European economies will endure a recession. In other news, new sanctions on Russia. Russia, that's been widely reported. And West Texas Intermediate Crude down 5.6%, lowest close since mid-March. So some steam coming out of the oil price. Thank you, Chris. Tom, what's happening locally? We have another risk-off day today. Consumer staples and gold pushing higher. Every other sector, they're underwater. Technology, consumer discretionary stocks are the worst performers. Ardent Leisure, this is on the Corbett front, some news today. Ardent Leisure has sold its main event business for $1 billion in they're up about 8.5% early. Bank of Queensland has appointed a new CFO. Poseidon Nickel said it expects to see some revenue mid-2023. So Marcus will be pleased about that one. Capvest expected to increase, if it hasn't already by the time this goes out, its offer for Virtus Health. And that's after BGH lobbed an offer. Yes, that will be the eight offer lobbed in this battle. Turning Just into a, a bit of an auction there. A bit of an auction. Just an interesting note on this. The reason why it keeps going round and round in circles is because BGH has a 20% stake in Virtus already. So they're not really willing to let it go. And that's why it keeps, you know, they just keep outbidding each other. So I covered that stock on the call some time ago. That was an interesting point worth noting. Good takeaway that Virtus Health will do quite well out of it. Shareholders will be sitting there rubbing their pants together. Yeah, exactly right. Centre Group has reaffirmed guidance at its AGM today. And Magellan is the bottom in for Magellan. One of the questions we asked on the desk is improving after its March FUM update, which showed there was 
was still outflows of about a billion, but that's slowing significantly from the last time, which was about 5 billion was the last update. Now that's around 1 billion and FUM actually improved, but that was probably more attributed to market moves in the month. And what's your answer to that question, Tom? Well, if you're basing it off the facts at the moment, it looks like the bottom could be in. So Magellan, yeah, one. And we talked about as well the other day, there was a lot of interest in the fund manager space after petrol of the bid for Pendle. So some activity as well, a lot of interest there. On the economic front today, balance of trade and building permits for February and ARB is trading ex-dividend. Thank you, Ben. Great stuff as always. Thank you, Tom. Leighton, what have you got for us from the wide world of brokers? Thanks, Ben. So I know we closed some of the lithium themes off yesterday in the ideas and technical trades sections. There's some more commentary out today on Allchem and the lithium sector. City say that they don't see the lithium market returning to balance until the second half of the year. And I suppose that just sort of ties in with the time frame that we had for those trades that are more short term. This is more long term. The city has upped their net profit forecast by 23.4% this year and 1.9% next year. According to Reuters, there are 11 brokers with a buy recommendation, two withhold recommendations, and the average target price is $14.65. And the current share price is $13.04. UBS has lifted its 2022 spodumene forecast by around 17% with long-term forecasts under review. And this is to reflect the current tightness in the lithium market. The broker expects the industry to move towards spot pricing in the future. CBS has a buy recommendation for mineral resources with a target price of $54.45. And interestingly there, the current share price is $60.35. So that's actually a 10% down Side, so we'll look out to see if they increase that target price today. And we hold mineral resources in, we sold it out of the ideas portfolio yesterday, along with the other lithiums and battery stocks, but we still hold it in the forever, forever portfolio. And notably, it was up 2.5% yesterday, it's up another 1.1% today. So it is one of those lithium stocks that actually has some fundamentals. Well, and it's big iron ore exposure as well. It's been a really good performer for quite a long period of time now, and it's been one that we've had on and off in the uh, Max Day office. For quite a long time, we've had it in the income portfolio for over a year, and it's up 150%. So it's been a good stock for us in the resources. Yeah, nice. Macquarie has an outperform recommendation for Polynovo. The revenue grew 59% to $12.3 million. They reported yesterday, and Macquarie expects the company to meet its fourth quarter sales estimates of $12.2 million. The target price remains steady at $1.60, which is 42% above the current share price. And just one more, there's some research out on car sales, which is another one of the forever stocks. UBS has a buyer recommendation and notes apart from dealerships, listing volumes were strong through the March quarter. And the target price is $25, implying a 21% upside. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Layden. Chris, Thursday is normally a big day in technical trades. What got for us this week? Not too much. Theme Thursday and we closed the lithium theme yesterday as we spoke about on the podcast and was widely reported across various parts of the newsletter so uh, pat on the back for everyone there. The two themes that remain open are materials. We'll actually be keeping a close eye on this one whilst I think the macro conditions are still good for materials plays. Undoubtedly the market is pulling back from that near all-time high that we saw just on Tuesday, second losing session in a row. But I do have an interest rates post-Fed theme. So obviously post the Fed raising 
last time out that should do well out of the current macro conditions. And we've got a little stock in there by the name of Computer Share, which is up a lazy 10% since opening that theme three weeks ago. And there's a few others that are going relatively nicely. But no new themes today. Chart of the day is Endeavor Group, uh, which of course is the spin out from Woolworths, their drinks division, for lack of a better description. Just looking nice technically, just punched through $7.50, which was a round number resistance, good volumes, uh, and looking pretty strong. So yeah, if you're thinking you need a drink, Endeavor is the one to have a look at. Very nice. Thanks, Chris. Henry, what's happening in your world? I mean, apart from that torrential rain again in Sydney, which uh, seems to be a bit of a, an issue, and it has an economic downside as well. Just remember that a lot of tradies can't work in the wet, so it will have a bit of an economic downturn for um, for Sydney. Apart from that today, just talking about lithium again, there was a moment on Tuesday when it got very wobbly. It has sort of tried to find its feet. One of the reasons for that, as I discovered as I was watching CNBC this morning, and we were all looking and scratching our heads on Tuesday as to why, and one of the reasons was that Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, is starting to push back on Biden's push for EVs. He's a little bit concerned about who's going to be paying for the charging stations. So clearly, uh, that did have an impact in our market, a little bit of a wobble there. But once again, the talking heads on CNBC talking about lithium, and they even rolled out one US lithium producer, talk about their US production. Also, a little bit today, there was a great article in The Guardian from Greg Jericho regarding uh, interest rates, house prices, and mortgage rates, which I put in today as well. And a lot of members have asked about uranium because you know we are seeing oil prices high. Amazingly, Scott Morrison seems to pick the high in the oil price by cutting the fuel excise tax just at the peak of the oil. And now we've got sub $100 oil. So just a little bit about uranium today and Paladin in particular. And also a lot of members have asked about the BHP Woodside merger because a lot of people are scratching their heads as to what the hell is going on in that one. And I have promised that I will follow up on that. So I have sent an email to BHP, their uh, IR lady who I know quite well, uh, to see if I can get some inside track on what the hell's going on there. And yeah, it was interesting. We also put uh, our podcast with Bernard Rowe from Iron Ear. It was on Livewire Markets last night. So that's getting a bit of traction on Livewire. And just a heads up tomorrow, I'm actually on the couch with Gemma Dale from Nabtrade. Very nice stuff, Henry. Stay safe up there with the, the weather. The weather. Well, it's nice for me. I don't think it's that nice for Gemma, but anyway. Good stuff, Henry. Marcus, gave us a bit of a hint to what you're talking in strategy today. What else have you got for us? Just before I get to that, I've put in a couple of tables, interesting tables in the Marcus Today section. One of them is a table of countries with the highest sales as a percentage of total car sales of electric vehicles. And Australia is right at the bottom. And and I've also put the table in of population densities. We are something like 242nd of countries out of 248 in population density. We've got three people per square kilometre, which only just beats the Namibian desert. And consequently, we're always going to be challenged with electric vehicles in Australia. Not that Australia matters to lithium, but uh, we're always going to be challenged because, of course, we're spread out over too big an area. And, you know, what, what is the definition of stupidity in Australia? It would be, I died in my electric vehicle in the outback. So anyway, finally, at the top of the population density tables is interesting because all the tax havens are in there. So Monaco, Bermuda, Singapore, Jersey, Guernsey, Ireland isn't in there. Amazing number of US companies are domiciled in Ireland for tax purposes. But these, of course, are very high population density, not because a lot of people live there, but because a lot of people are registered. So Monaco doesn't nearly have as many people in its population actually in Monaco. Anyway, that aside, quite an important idea today and quite a revelation. 
correlation. I mean, I know there's an index called the CRB Commodity Price Index. It's been around since 1957. It's a combination or an index of soft and hard commodity prices. There used to be 28 commodities in there. There are now 19. They're weighted in accordance to their significance in global trade. So obviously, a lot of the metal prices and iron ore price, oil price are heavily weighted in the index. Now, I've put a chart in the strategy piece of the CRB index. So this is an index of commodity prices. The CRB index overlaid on the resources, the Australian resources sector. And have a look at the chart. There is a simply incredible correlation between the performance of the Australian resources sector and commodity prices generally, obviously, logically. But at the same time, you have to understand all these commodities are priced in US dollars. So if the US dollar goes up by 10%, commodities get 10% more expensive, even though the commodity price doesn't go anywhere for anyone sourcing commodities outside of the US who doesn't have their own production. So the US dollar, and there's another chart in the strategy piece today, the US dollar has an index called the US dollar index, which is a weighted average of its price compared to a basket of other currencies. So if you look at the US dollar index, you can see when the US dollar is getting globally more expensive or cheap. Anyway, if you plot the US dollar index against the commodity price index, it's inversely correlated. In other words, when the US dollar goes up, all commodities get more expensive. So commodity prices generally go down. So every day as the US dollar goes up, commodity prices generally go down. When the US dollar goes down, all commodities get cheaper. So commodity prices go up. So there is an inverse correlation between the US dollar index and the CRB index. And so I have plotted the two of them together and plotted the inverse. I'm going to lose you now. But I've plotted the inverse of the US dollar index and the CRB commodity price index, and they should move hand in hand. And they do until the last six months. In the last six months, we've seen an anomaly where commodity prices have spiked and the US dollar has spiked as well. So if you imagine this in terms of euro price of iron ore or the euro price of steel, commodity prices are getting exponentially more expensive in any currency other than the US dollar. So you worry about a recession in Europe. In Europe, the US dollar is up 12% in the last six months or so uh, against the euro. So their commodities have become 12% more expensive and commodity prices have spiked. So you talk about a recession, well, in any country other than the US, it is more likely because commodity prices have gone higher. But the point is, at some point, this correlation has got to resume. And at the moment, it is completely out of whack. Commodity prices are high and the US dollar is high. And that at some point is going to correct. So I have written this up as we are set up for the end of the commodity price cycle. Because we are, either commodity prices have to peak or the US dollar has to rapidly go down and more likely commodity prices are going to peak. So I've put some numbers in for the resources sector, highlighting which stocks are in which sector and their performance numbers as well, and put in their charts. And you will see there is no way the oil price is going to keep going up endlessly, or the coal price, or the iron ore price, or the copper price, the zinc price, the nickel price, the aluminium price, or BHP, or RIA, or Fortescue, or you name any other stock that is exposed to a commodity price cycle. And we are in a bit of a bubble. We are set up for the top. Of course, what do you do about that? Well, you don't go and sell BHP. All you do is recognize that at some point, this commodity price cycle is going to 
peak. We don't need to do anything about it yet. It hasn't peaked yet, but just be awake for the day it happens. And when it does happen, don't deny it, believe it. So set up for a peak in commodities, which hasn't started yet, is my uh, main point today. Great stuff, Marcus. Lots in there. Make sure you go and check it out on the newsletter because I don't think it's possible to do it justice just giving a brief overview. So No, those the, the charts uh, rather blew me away. I knew they existed, but I hadn't seen the complete collapse in the relationship between the US dollar and commodity price in the last six months. It is quite remarkable. Very nice. Uh, we'll round it out with a bit of a different question today. And that is, is the Marcus Today newsletter cheap or expensive? Tom, you can kick us off. I am going to preface this by saying, even with my meager investment portfolio, I would have made my money back multiple, multiple, multiple times based off current prices. So I think we are very cheap in terms of what you get out of it. Chris? Well, having done some competitor analysis recently, I know that we're cheap compared to our competitors. And um, we certainly stand by our product. And what Marcus has just delivered on a podcast alone uh, speaks to the value. So I think, uh, yeah, I think we're cheap. I know we're cheap. Lovely. Henry? We are very cheap. I've always been very cheap. But we are very cheap. <laughs> we're massively great value considering the amount of not only information which anyone can put out, but more importantly, commentary and opinion and recommendations. And I defy anyone to get better value in terms of their, their recommendations anywhere in the market at the moment. Very good. Lane? Yeah, we're very cheap. Seeing, seeing a bit of a theme here. Ben? Uh, I think we are very cheap. And I'll add just another reason that I think we've tacked on a lot of bells and whistles over the last couple of years without any significant uh, change in price. So, yeah. And Marcus, do you think the Marcus Today newsletter <laughs> subscription that you created, that you poured your heart and soul into for 20 years, is cheap? Years. It, it's actually to the point of annoyance. It really annoys me that some of our competitors are more expensive than us by a multiple, 50% at least for information without opinion. And there is one newsletter out there which is more expensive than ours that does little more than run one technical indicator and tell people what to buy or sell off this indicator every night. And it is, we do the same thing. Chris does the same thing in his technical trade section. And they are charging more than the whole of our newsletter <laughs> for this one little piece of information. It is just astonishing to me. Plus, there are established newsletters charging vastly more than us who have got no personality at all. Yes, we are hugely cheap and we will be raising our prices in July, but we will lock in members at the price that they're at now. So become a little bit like life insurance. You can't you can't cancel your life insurance because they're going to reassess you and charge you more in life insurance because you always get older, so it always gets more expensive. But we will lock in existing members at whatever price they have paid in perpetuity as long as they stay members. Um, but we will have to put our prices up because it has got to a point of ridiculousness now. I think that some of our competitors are charging vastly more than us for vastly inferior product. And that's my humble 23-year <laughs> opinion, <laughs> having, having uh, yeah, sweated, no, uh, worked extremely hard for 23 years and constantly improved the newsletter. And we will constantly improve the newsletter. And we've got all sorts of improvements coming up. So uh, yes, I think we will up prices. Just on that, that, that is the guarantee. I mean, that we don't have an explicit guarantee but 
but that is the guarantee that our members trust us for is that we are constantly, constantly trying to make a, a better newsletter, improve it, bring more features, benefits, better recommendations, guidance, uh, commentary, community, all of it. We don't stop. It's tiring at times, but we just don't stop. Constantly trying to make it better. And that is, like I said, our implicit guarantee to anyone who is a member. Yeah. Yeah. And we will maintain prices on one year and two year memberships that are on auto renewal. Is that right, Chi Chi? Yeah, that's right. There you go. Anyway, yes, vastly too cheap, as I say, to the point of annoyance. There you have it. Nice note to finish on. See you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Henry.